Every group, every human organization has a reason for being. Whether it's well articulated or not, there's a reason that it came into being, a a reason that it continues. Ideally, this is something that is well understood and named clearly. In the field of organization development, this, is, this idea is called a primary task. The primary task is what the group sets out to do as their central and unique purpose. It's what they're all about and also what sets them apart from other groups. Take Steak and Shake, for example. I know I'm showing my Hoosier roots again. Have any of you ever actually eaten at a Steak and Shake? Whitney and Randy, excellent. A few of you. Um, I learned recently that their primary task, as they state it themselves, is to, and I quote, serve the country's best, freshest, and tastiest burgers and shakes. They may or may not be succeeding at that, but that is their stated goal. We could look for some more inspiring examples, though, also. For example, why does the Red Cross exist? They do so many different things, but they name specifically that for their volunteers and their staff alike, they strive for the shared mission of preventing and relieving suffering at home and around the world. Or Hope Solutions, a nonprofit that we partner with here in Contra Costa County, they say that they work to heal the effects of poverty and homelessness by providing permanent housing solutions and vital support services to vulnerable families and individuals. This is what makes these businesses and organizations hum. It's what they're all about. But what about a more multifaceted community, one that works and comes together in many different ways to many different ends, like, say, the church? What what is it for us? Why do we exist? What are we all about? If we had to come up with our primary task, how would we name it? Well, I would argue that the story of Pentecost, the story we just heard, gives us an image, a starting point of why we exist. The last 50 days have been chaotic for the followers of Jesus. 50 days ago, they were in deep grief and fear They were wondering how they were going to continue on with their lives, with their community, with their sense of call, all this with their leader gone. Most of them were still hiding behind that locked door, fearful that the authorities would be coming for them next when the women burst in and the rest of them learned of the resurrection. The intervening weeks have been a whirlwind for them also, coming to see Jesus in this new way, trying to make sense of all that has been and what is now, trying to figure out how they're going to go and live in light of this revelation. 
And now Jesus has left again. But this time with the promise that he would be sending the spirit to be with them. How or when that would happen or what that would look like, they did not know. But they have gathered together again. They have come together on this festival day, the city teeming with people celebrating the grain harvest. They are together as one body, perhaps gathered again in that same upper room where they had shared a last meal with Jesus. The important thing is that they are gathered together. And into that shared space rushes a wind and flames, and as they come to understand, the Holy Spirit. In that encounter, they are transformed. They are filled with the Spirit, their hearts burning, but more than just being inspired or overjoyed, they are changed. They can understand each other, even as they hail from many places, speak so many languages. They hear each other and understand. They are changed. But the story doesn't stop there. They don't stay in that room, basking in the delight of such connection and understanding. They are sent out into the world into the beauty and challenge of sharing this spirit far and wide, both where this good news will be welcome and also offering it where they will be met with ire. The story happened all those years ago, and it's happening all the time. It's happening now. And what's more, it is our roadmap for being church. One of my ways of uh, joining in what's happening in the wider church is through the College for Congregational Development. It's uh, an organization that gathers both lay leaders and clergy together from across the country and Canada and now Europe um, to learn how congregations can become healthier, more sustainable, more faithful. And I was doing this work with the Diocese of Ohio last week up on Lake Erie. And while I was with them, I saw freshly how this Pentecost story is, in essence, our primary task as a church. One of the things that we teach at CCD sums up uh, the church's purpose, our primary task, in three words. Gather, transform, and send. We gather together as Christ's body in the world, and together we are transformed. God transforms our hearts and our minds and our lives as we strive to live as God's love in the world. And then we are sent. We are sent out. And wonderful as it is, We can't stay here. We're sent back into our homes and families, into our workplaces, into the the civic arenas of trying to make our community a more wonderful place. We're sent into the broader life of the church. And we do this again and again, week after week, year after year. We are gathered, we are transformed, and we are sent.
If we're here, my hunch is that we have a story of this. It may be short and simple and just beginning to unfold, or it may span decades. And maybe you haven't thought about it in this way, but I wonder how we might begin to understand our own story of being gathered and transformed and sent. I want to share one such story of my own. I think we all actually have many as it keeps unfolding. But, but for me, the one I'm thinking of starts when I was 16. I had just gotten my driver's license and things were a mess at home for me. We had, as a family, briefly connected with the Episcopal Church a few years earlier and then sort of fallen away, but I had stayed connected through the Episcopal summer camp. And when I got my driver's license, I went back. When I stepped into that old limestone church, I did not look much like I look now. I had uh, short, spiky hair. I'm not sure what color it was then. It might have been green. It might have been purple. Um, My fashion choices were rather different than most of the people uh, filling that church. And they said, welcome. They said, we're glad you're here. And it wasn't long before they had me serving as a reader and then as a lay Eucharistic minister and then invited me to join the altar guild. They made room for me as this spunky teenager. They helped me find a place and find my way there with them. They they set me right on my feet. I felt there like I could breathe, like I could see a way forward. And then the more that I settled in with that church, with it becoming a second home for me, I, I began to understand a tug pulling me outwards. It was not just about being fed and tended there in that place. I realized I was also feeling called to help make this sort of thing possible more broadly. Who else was out there needing a place of stability, a place to heal, a group of people that could become family? I wondered what that might look like, and I really wasn't sure But I had the sense that I was also being sent, that we all were. And so here we are, gathered together on this festival day, gathered as a body, ready, I hope and I trust, to be transformed together. And in just a little while, we will all be sent once again, out into the rest of our lives to bring this fire with us everywhere we go. That is our work, our primary task, our purpose. The story of Pentecost gives us a roadmap. It shows us how it will be messy and chaotic and exciting and beautiful. It shows us how we are knit together, how the Spirit shapes us and changes us so that we can be more fully ourselves and more fully together. And then we are sent out to live this transformation, 
This is our map. God, give us the strength and courage to once again, to again and again, be gathered, transformed, and sent.